people really don't understand that we have more modern day slaves on this entire planet right now than ever before in history. It's a $150 billion grossing a year criminal enterprise that's growing. I mean, that's like second to drug trafficking. This is Rebranding Cannabis. I'm your host, Jared Mursky, and you're listening to the show that helps the industry grow. Hear from industry titans, thought leaders, and the up-and-coming founders of this multi-billion dollar industry. Presented by Wick and Mortar. Uh, Welcome to another another episode of Rebranding Cannabis. Uh, today's guest is uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, we go way back, uh, Avery Warner. Um, Avery Warner is uh, also on uh, this season's uh, 90 Day Fiance. I know that she's got a couple other shows she's going to talk about. But um, yeah, Avery, welcome to the show. Thanks, my friend. <laughs> Are you French all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very good. Thanks for having me on, Jared. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, now you're professional. Yeah. Oh, split personalities. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I could be professional when I want to be. Oh, well, that's the beautiful thing about, I think, being in the cannabis industry, too, is that you just, you get to be yourself. You get I to know. smoke weed all day. I know. I mean, so are you telling me I don't have to be professional? No, you can be professional. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay, um, cool. So what's new? What are you working on? Um, I know that you just finished up. Uh, 90 Day Fiance, the first, the first season for yourself. What, like, what was that like? What, I mean. Well, <laughs> okay, so 90 Day Fiance, before the 90 days, um, I finished that. I have a show out right now that's currently in the middle of, of airing on TLC Network. It's uh, B90 Strikes Back. So it's before the 90 days strikes back. It's where we get to watch our own season. And then we get to comment on our own season and then comment on all the mean tweets that people tweet about us throughout the <laughs> So throughout is it like, it's like reaction videos then? Yeah. So it's like, you know, people, you get those trolls, you know, like oh, yeah. they're always out there, like just saying crazy stuff. Yeah. On Reddit, Reddit's like the worst. Um, but we get to read those off of what people say about us. And then we get to like, you know, revenge talk. And so it's actually kind of fun. That's actually where I'm ha- I had the most fun. <laughs> Re- what, the revenge talk? Yeah. What are some of the no. nastiest things that people have said so far? Oh, well, okay. Um, we had one today about your hair. Yeah. For some, okay, so recently I, obviously you can see my hair is pink. Um, I changed my hair recently from from dark to pink, and I have never... I was like, okay, you know, I like my hair, but I was really surprised by how many people want to slide up into my DMs just to tell me how much they hate my hair. Well, I think your hair looks just fine. Well, thank you. So screw those guys. But I know I think it's I think it's crazy. I'm like, it's hair. <laughs> like, who cares? People and if I like so it, that's all that sometimes. matters. If I like it, that's all that matters. That's right. That's right. Self empowerment. That's and you're right. all about that. I'm all about self-empowerment. Yes. So, okay, so let's get back into the show because I think for a lot of people who have or haven't seen it, they don't know that you are also uh, a cannabis enthusiast mm-hmm. of sorts. Uh, yes. You cook with cannabis. 
um, and you know you you're you're just a you know all around consumer. You know I I think you do cannabis consulting for medicinal cannabis. Yep. 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 And and you're an advocate of you know parents also using it um, as it relates to I think spending more or better quality time with your child. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm a parent. I use it when I'm kicking it with my kid and it just allows me to get into the zone with them. I know it's pretty controversial. Yeah. Controversial. It can be very controversial. <laughs> it's like one of those words. I'm like, is that, is that, yeah. yeah. It, there's a lot of controversy around here. Yes, there you go. Controversy, that's a lot easier to say. Um, so tell me a little bit about, okay, so let's, so let's talk about your experience with cannabis as it relates to food and then we can get into the whole kid thing because I just mm -hmm. went from like zero to a hundred, so. <laughs> Well, I mean, I personally um, found that, so I suffered from severe postpartum depression after I had my child, and the doctors really wanted to put me on a bunch of medications and all that stuff, which I'm very holistic. Um, I like to go to natural methods. And so I really know the power of what cannabis can do for a lot of different things. And so I started really researching into CBD and THC and really trying to identify the best way of taking cannabis mm -hmm. in a concoction of ways in order to, you know, like help with my postpartum depression. And so I found out that edibles were great for me because once I found like that therapeutic dose, it really just kind of took the edge off. It helped my anxiety, but it also kind of, it lasted for a longer duration of time. And so I kind of started experimenting with strains and, you know, I love to cook. Mm -hmm. I'm like been a foodie most of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, now I really want to get into like how to cook like different things instead of like brownies and cookies since I'm kind of a health nut. So I'm like, <laughs> and I'm kind of not, yeah, you're kind of not <laughs> the brownies and cookies. That's like, yeah, <laughs> yep. that's like in. your typical edible is like the brownies and the cookies. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, great. Yeah, but it just like took me on a little journey of like, you know, what can I do differently? You know, like make salad dressings and make gravies that go over steak. And so I started exploring that and uh, I had a lot of fun with that. And that's kind of what really kind of set me off on the show was like, I'm that mom who cooks with cannabis. <laughs> I know. I remember I was on it. I know. You gave me my my weed salad. Yeah. So for all of you listening, I was on the first episode of this season where Avery comes over and she comes and grabs some fan leaves from me from, uh, which that salad was very controversial. Yeah. I mean that positioned you on the show actually as like the cannabis cook, which is why your Instagram is a Avery a dope, dope cook, cook, which you could read a very dope cook. Yeah. So, uh, you know, cooking with cannabis, you said has been, something um of a bit of a sweet spot for you outside of the actual sweets mm -hmm. um what are some recipes that you've created that or you know dishes that you've created that have uh, in your opinion worked really well with respect to the plant like uh, my personal favorite is making salad dressings with the oils that i have because it's just so easy and it also when you mix it with um like apple cider vinegar or other different types of like red wine vinegar and stuff, it helps to reduce the earthy flavors of the, of the cannabis. And mm. so when you use it in the salad, you don't really get much of that like powerful 
like cannabis, overwhelming earthy flavor. Um, so it mixes really well with uh, salads, but then also the can of butter. So I have the Levo and you gave me a Levo, but I got the Levo too. I oh, can I have my Levo back? Levo. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, but what I like about that is you can actually infuse it with different types of herbs also. So you can use like uh, lavender and rosemary and you can make almost like a, an herb butter with cannabis. Mm -hmm. And you can like use it at the very end of, uh, I make, um, I'm trying to think. So there's different types of gravies that I do, like uh, a mushroom gravy. Mm -hmm. And at the very end, you just put a little bit of that cannabis butter to finish it. And then you pour it over your steak. And it's got mm -hmm. the, it's got so the buttery good. Oh, it's so good. See, I always go to these like cannabis dinners and I've had Derek come with me to a couple too. And, and the a dosage is it's kind of bullshit. It's like, dude, yeah. I'm not going to get fucked up off of two milligram, you know? Yeah. They want to make sure pop. you're not like super high. I know, but they're also throwing a ton of CBD in there. And so that just pretty much cancels out the cannabis. So mm -hmm. it's like, all right entourage effect cool but mm -hmm. i still want to get a little fucked up <laughs> well do they like give you four course meals or like five course meals because usually it's like when you go to those dinners they'll try to be like okay this meal is two milligrams then we're going to give you another course and that that's going to be two milligrams some of these dinners some of these times i mean some of these dinners can be pretty can be pretty unorganized there are some that i've been to that are just were absolutely great the food is amazing the chefs were great um i didn't really feel high yeah but also, also kind of, it's also kind of hard to feel high from an edible dinner when you're also smoking weed throughout the dinner. So it's yeah. like, uh, um, but well, there's what certain I edibles know. that I can eat where I, where I can definitely feel the difference. And usually it's like a schmore. <laughs> it's like marshmallows and chocolate and graham crackers. Uh, well, my biggest thing, so I experiment on myself because my dosage changes every time I do like a batch. And I have to like... I really have to identify because the butter is a little bit different than the oil. And so I have to take a little bit mm -hmm. and then I'll, I'll do my calculations and stuff. But oftentimes, even just because of the strain and what it is, it can change like how it affects me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very sensitive to edibles. And so I've had some, <laughs> some pretty bad experiences. Um, but then I will like learn from that and I'll mm -hmm. just adjust, adjust my dosage and then, uh, and then I find my perfect high and that's what I stick to. And that's why I don't go like buy edibles anymore yep. because also I don't really, I like to have control of my strains. And when you go get edibles at the store, I feel like it's like, now it's do, really when you go to the like, dispensary, do you buy based on strain specificity or do you buy based on the experience? So if you look at like a package and it says like connect or charge. Is that what you're looking for? Or are you looking for, you know, blue dream, you know, Alaskan thunder fuck, you know, granddaddy <laughs> purple, you know, what are you looking for? Well, what I do, when I go to the dispensary, I try to actually try a different strain. At least like I'll get like a gram of a new strain that mm -hmm. I haven't tried before. And I'll try that and I'll actually write down my experience with it. Because See, not a lot of not, not enough people journal their experiences with cannabis. Yeah. So for everyone who hasn't done that and who's listening to this, you know, definitely, definitely do that. I highly recommend it. I started doing that myself. Don't do it nearly as much as I should, but mm -hmm. it's a great way to figure out what strains work best with your body. It's unfortunate that we have to go through so much 
in order to figure that out. Mm -hmm. But I think at a point in the future, there will be, you know, more um, tests and technology around, you know, our ability to, to better understand that. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like there's bioindividuality and everybody like a lot of people have this thing where they just clump every single cannabis strain into one thing. Mm-hmm. And if they have a bad experience, it's like, oh, I don't ever want to touch cannabis again. Or they took too much of one thing and it's like wasn't the right concoction, wasn't r- the right strain for them. They had paranoia or a bad experience and then they don't ever want to use cannabis again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there's differences. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had some strains where I'm just like, I will never use that strain again. Like mm-hmm. that did not give me a good experience. But <laughs> kinda, then I have somewhere I'm like, I love it. Kind of makes me think of like all of the, the documentaries and videos I've been seeing where people who have even tried ayahuasca mm-hmm. have had really bad experiences, some fatal. Really? Yeah. Now, no one's ever died from cannabis, which oh, yeah. is pretty yeah. awesome. I think it's like you have to, you have to consume like 1,500 pounds of cannabis in order for it to be lethal. Did you read that in the book? <laughs> I read it somewhere. No, I, did, I had like a, I have a medical book. Yeah, it's in, this, yeah. It's, in that, it's in this book right here. Let's see. Yeah. Let, me, let me pull it up. Like that's how low the toxicity levels of cannabis are. Oh, you want to hear a fun fact actually? <laughs> this is, and this goes into, this, this is just like how important branding and product placement is. But um, this, so this book is called uh, The 200 Most Awesome Things About Weed. And... So this page talks about how weed can boost hamburger sales. So it says, while in 2004, or while the 2004 film Harold and Kumar go to White Castle did wonders for their careers, uh, as far as actors are concerned, um, where they perpetually played uh, stone burger fiending characters, it was an even bigger boom for the restaurant itself. Shortly after the film's release, sales of White Castle's delectable sliders increased by more than 10%. Uh, although White Castle did not pay for the product placement, pff, lucky them, uh, the company did embrace the film's stoner message with collectible cups and signs uh, throughout the various locations. So that's actually pretty cool. I know. So, I used to. I remember that I was so excited to go to the grocery store and get White Castle burgers out of the freezer section. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't even remember if they were good or not. Do they even have White Castles anymore? Yeah, they do. They do? Yep. They do. I'm trying to find that fact. What, the 1500? Yeah. Yeah, I read that in a medical uh, marijuana book. Like, that's how low the toxicity level is for in cannabis. So let's kind of jump back to the 90 Day Fiance show. You know, for everyone who hasn't heard or doesn't know what the 90 Day Fiance is, Avery's going to shed some light on what the show is exactly Mm -hmm. about (laughs) and... Now that the first season is over, she can also share some secrets. If I'm secrets. in a relationship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So 90 Day Fiance, in a short, what is that? Okay, 90 Day Fiance, there's like so many different offsets of 90 Day Fiance, but I was on 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days, which, which means that I was dating somebody in another country, had never met him, and, uh, well... I was dating Ash. His name is Ash. And he lived in Australia. It's funny his name's Ash and we're on a stoner, I mean not a stoner, but a <laughs> show called Rebranding Cannabis. Well, you know, now he, now he's termed as Ash Hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know what? And and trash. I actually have I actually have a product. It's an it's it, there. It's called an ash hole. It's actually it's really it's right over there. Um, but okay, so, so yeah. So I was dating Ash. He lived in Australia. I don't think he's an ash hole. Okay, I think he's actually a nice guy. Um, but he lived in Australia. We were dating for nine months. Um, we were getting, you know, as serious as you can being across the other side of the world. Well, 90 day fiance before the 90 days, they follow your journey to meeting each other for the first time. And then they follow your journey of getting to know each other in the other person's, you know, so I flew to Australia. They followed our journey to Australia and then filmed us meeting for the first time. And then filmed us for like three and a half weeks. And we went on like a journey. And it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but then we flew back. And, uh, and Ash and I, you know, we went through our, th- our ups and downs. And mm-hmm. we tried to make it work. But uh, we didn't. We didn't. We're not together. You know? And, Why didn't and it work I, out? I feel like there's only one couple from this last season. So there were six couples on the season. And typically the couples will actually last, but I think every single, I think every single, um, couple didn't make it (laughs) this last season. It was a crazy season. What, what couple did make it? Oh gosh. The one that we thought was being catfished the entire season. It wasn't even until like the, almost the end of the season where we found out Lana was real. So David and Lana, I don't even know if they're really together still because he says he's engaged, but they don't talk and she's still on a dating site. So <laughs> that's so weird. Now I know this guy, Ed from oh, the show big became Ed. like, yeah, big Ed with, with like, and God bless his soul because he's just an amazing human being from what I can tell, but he's really embraced the fact that he has no neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. No neck, Ed, no neck, Ed, you know, he, he's like, yeah. I mean, he, he was made fun of, terribly in the beginning of the show because they didn't know that he had an issue. But I'm like, even if you don't know that the guy has an issue, like a a deformity or a health concern, you shouldn't be making fun of people, you know? And that's really what I learned when I first, like the show started airing is how many trolls there are out there. Like they just come on the show though, because you know, like TLC was like, Oh, this guy's got a, an interesting look. Let's put him on the show. Yeah, but he was also like, I feel like they go after the storyline because his storyline was like, you know, he hadn't dated somebody Plot in 28 perfect. years and he's going after a 23 year old and they've only been dating for three months. Wait, how old was he again? He's like in his forties. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, pretty much. When you look at these people prior to, and uh-huh. you just see their background, you already kind of know like where this story's going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, that's what makes it so attractive. Cause you're just like, God, are, I have to see what's happening. Are happens. they together still? No. He's probably dating someone way hotter now. Oh, well, no, but <laughs> well, he, he tells me he gets success. a lot of proposals in his DMs. Does he? I'm like, we'll take one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, good for him. Yeah. I know he's doing pretty well on Cameo. I keep seeing ads of him popping up. Ugh. That app yeah, is Yeah, he's killed right? it on Cameo. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's kind of, let's kind of, let's break from the, let's break from the show and let's talk a little bit about um, some of the things that you've been doing since the show ended. Now, I know that there was, 
the 90 Day Fiance, and mm-hmm. then you now have done the Pillow Talk, um, right? Not Pillow is, Talk. No, not uh, Pillow B90 Talk. 90 Strikes Back. 90, okay, Strikes Back. Yeah, sort of like then, Pillow Talk. Right. And now what else have you been working on since both of those? Because I know you've been up to a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I've been doing quite a bit of projects. Um, so once I finally got the time after I stopped filming for B90 Strikes Back, um, I do my cannabis consulting for medical cannabis, just helping people um, find their therapeutic dose and whether it's THC, CBD, the right concoction for them, um, pertaining to whatever their ailment is, mainly just medical cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started finding a new passion when I started researching and getting aware of the problem that this world is facing that not a lot of people know about, which is human trafficking. And uh, because that I wasn't crazy, man, it's insane. It's like people really don't understand that we have more modern day slaves on this entire planet right now than ever before in history. It's a $150 billion grossing a year criminal enterprise that's growing. I mean, that's like second to drug trafficking. And everybody knows about drug trafficking. Everyone knows about drugs. They're everywhere. But we have this like hidden enemy that is around everywhere. It's in our communities. It's global. You see it in front of you and you don't even know. And it's one of those hidden things that are, that's literally plaguing our society right now. And because there's lack of awareness, there's lack of funding and resources, only 1% of trafficking victims a year get rescued. 1%. And that is, like, we barely are making a dent right now. And it's because of the lack of awareness. It's the lack of resources, the lack of awareness. And when I found out about this, I partnered with uh, an organization called IMAS, which is Influencers and Musicians Against Sex Slavery. And what we do is we also work with Operation Underground Railroad with Tim Billard. And uh, Tim Billard is like, he is a godsend to humanity. Yeah, I saw that post you shared today about the New York Times sympathizing sympathizing for pedophiles who uh are essentially being lured um into a scenario uh without their knowing Mm -hmm. and getting caught before the act is actually committed and they're saying that that is not okay Mm -hmm. yeah they're like there's no victim there's no crime and i'm like well thank god there's no crime thank god there's no victim yeah thank god there's no victim if if you it's like I look at it this way. If you're a murderer and you're setting up an operation to have your wife or girlfriend or whatever killed, right? You're ordering a hitman. But that hitman happens to be a undercover police officer. And you were going to go through with something. If that person murder. wasn't, yeah, if yeah. you, your person, if that person was not an undercover police officer, then that person would have ended up dead. And so that's the same thing that they're doing with these pedophiles. Like they're, you know, setting up these sting operations for online, which by the way, right now during the coronavirus, the calls to the cyber tip line have went up 300% in April, 300%. And that's because everything went to online. Well, and you know, a lot of the Epstein shit hit the fan 
Mm-hmm. Derek follows that religiously. Yeah. Pizzagate, all the stuff. Yeah. Do you know much about that? Yes. Yep. In fact, uh, I'm trying to get a interview right now with Liz Kronken, um, one of the girls in my group, which I have a, I have a group called Speak, which is um, stopping predatory enslavement and kidnapping. Um, and that's the, the subcomponent to IMAS. Um, and so I have a, a, a lawyer who is part of the group, and she actually was in law school and, and went to school with Liz Kronken, who is the journalist on Pizzagate. Um, and so Liz Kronken was interesting. Yeah, she she was the she was the one who um, and I'm just going to tell everybody right now. I have to talk about I'm not QAnon. There is a lot of stuff going out there about. Wait, what did you say? QAnon. 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 I have to say that because I'm not QAnon. There's a lot of stuff going out there about QAnon. Um, but what I will say is that some of the stuff that QAnon talks about. Wait, wait. What's QAnon? Okay, there's so a lot of people that QAnon, don't know what that is. QAnon is a, <laughs> they say it's a extremist right-wing group that basically believes that the elite and the Hollywood and all these people are satanic uh, pedophiles that rule the world and use children and, and that Something kind of Something about stuff. a bloodline. Yeah. Right, of like from this family and they're using uh, yeah like these all the elites like the Rothschilds all all these people who are in very elite positions are in Hollywood are all tied into this huge pedophile ring that is uh that we're basically Donald Trump is saving the planet from and so QAnon believes this (laughs) okay um I will tell you that a lot of the stuff that QAnon has reported on is sometimes like extremely out there. You're just like, I don't, I can't get behind that. But there are some things where it's like, okay, well, there's just so many coincidences in that where it's like, you really do have to question it. Like you, you can't just be like, why is, um, why is Bill Clinton on the Epstein logs, but doesn't have his secret service with him, but he's also seen with two young girls. Why? You know? Like, why, why, would, why would he tell his secret service to be like, no, you just stay behind, and I'm just going to go on a flight, and I'm going to go with these two young girls. And these are what, facts? Yes. These are like These are documented facts. facts. These are like photographs? Yes. Shit. I they have photographs of him, um, and, and so, but they don't have like... Derek, can you pull up those photos? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to like bring him up he's, now. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> It's like no, my but there's, Jamie's there's so <laughs> many things that that are reported that that gets debunked, you know, they get debunked by these fact checkers that have no like investigation, whatever. Uh, they're not even like FBI or any of that kind of stuff. So some of it gets gets to the point where it's like we don't have a definitive proof, but Glaine Maxwell being in jail right now and the flight logs that were that were uh given out of all the celebrities all the powerful people that were on these flight logs going to the island and some of the testimony like i read the 2000 page document that was released for glenn maxwell's deposition you read all 2000 pages i did i got really crazy into it (laughs) um and 
so you know it says a lot of stuff in there it's just it it's just crazy to me that some of these people don't get any repercussion because they're powerful people well and there's no proof that just because they visited right they did anything or did any wrongdoing right and so I, I think things are being investigated right now um but but that's like that's like separate you know like People, if I, if I even get behind some of the stuff in human trafficking, because QAnon has blown it up so much right now, they automatically assume if you are fighting for human trafficking that you're a crazy conspiracy theorist or that you are, um, you know, for QAnon. And so I'm kind of trying to battle that right now. Um, but Tim Billard's operation, like he's, he has saved 1,600 children mm-hmm. and he he has done so much work in the human trafficking area and he's just, his organization is just amazing. And so what we do is we really help bring the awareness and the funding and resources to operation underground railroad so that we can save more children. That's great. Yeah. You should see if he's single too. He's not. Yes. He he actually has seven (laughs) kids and, and, and he, well, no, he has nine kids now. Two of them were two of the kids that he rescued from Hades. Wow. Yeah. Some guy, huh? Yeah. He's a pretty awesome guy. Well, and you're a parent too, so you know how important it is to keep your children safe. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing is that a lot of parents don't understand how these predators work. And a lot of them groom online. Like, they could be, they could be trafficking your children right now underneath the, your own roof. Your child could be upstairs in their room, and you don't even know. You don't even know what websites they're on. You don't even know what online websites they're on. Like, mm-hmm. that's actually how they're grooming right now. So, parents, if you're listening, you need to make sure that when you are, when you have children, that you know exactly the websites that they're on, get, get um, familiar with the websites that they're using, and then talk to your kids repeatedly about how pedophiles work, how they groom, all that kind of stuff. That's, uh, that seems like a pretty difficult conversation to have with kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, how would you even start? Well, okay, so if you go to netsmarts.org, which is N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z.org, mm-hmm. they actually have a guide for parents on how to talk to their children per age group. Mm-hmm. So it really helps hmm. educate the parents and guide the parents. And that's a book? No, it's a, it's a website. Is there but, a, I would imagine they probably sell a book or something. that. Well, I, they probably have a book, but if you go to NetSmarts, they, they actually have video games for children to learn about online predators, and, and they, like, they try to make it really interactive for really young kids Interesting. so that they can learn how to navigate online, um, you know, how to use online platforms properly. Yeah, kids are such a sponge at that age, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, very... Very interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I... It's crazy stuff. It's getting worse. And if there's not that awareness, which luckily people are hopping on board right now. But again, there's so much out there on the internet right now that you don't know what to believe. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Like, don't just hear something. Don't just hear something and then run with it. Um, you got to really do your research. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good advice. Uh, parents, if you've got kids, check out that website. Um, so let's, let's kind of talk a little bit about your kids. You've mm-hmm. got two. Yes. Uh, you've got uh, Silver. 
who's your 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 most recent yeah my three-year-old yep your three-year-old and she's looking as beautiful as ever mm, she's so cute um because you spend more time with her uh well gosh how do i even start that, this conversation right um well first why don't you tell us a little bit about your two kids and okay. and then we'll kind of go into you know how you as a parent uh are able to consume cannabis and and still be a, a great parent to your kids in presence mm -hmm. form yeah so uh so I have two beautiful daughters. I have my oldest daughter, Scarlett, who's mm -hmm. 11. And then I have my youngest, who's three. Um, Scarlett lives mostly with her father um, in like four and a half hours away. So we travel in order to see each other, um, which is an unfortunate situation. Um, but I'm really blessed that I have my youngest daughter. She's with me most of the time. Um, she, you know, for me as a parent, I, when it comes to cannabis, um, I, I definitely see like you, you hear parents all the time who are like, I mean, cannabis is just on a spectrum right now. That's, that hasn't made its way up to like, you know, how normalized alcohol is. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't even put them in the same category because right. I'm like, cannabis is so much better than alcohol. Um, but parents are so okay with like relaxing at night and having a glass of wine and they have kids there, whatever it becomes, it's normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that there's a, you know, there's a, uh, there's a threshold. You can take too much alcohol and that's extremely bad. You should definitely not be doing that around your children and expose them to something bad. Right. Right. And the same with cannabis. If you, if you are like extremely high out of your mind and you can't parent, that's probably not a good idea. Um, but there's differences, you know, like with cannabis, I have found that if you take a certain amount that's right mm -hmm. and you're not high out of your mind, it actually helps you to be more focused with mm -hmm. your child and be more present. And you're not like wanting to look at your phone or you're not wanting to do this. You know, you're, you're very like, and you ha enjoy your time and you're having fun and your, your kids having fun with you and you're into what they're doing, you know, like you get really into their play times and, and you just have a lot of fun with them. Legos become way more fun, right? You Video guys build games. the freaking giant castle. Like it becomes super fun and it's not, it's not abusive. It's not anything that like your child is going to like, can, can really identify as it being bad. You know, like you get those parents who are drunk out of their minds and can't even like, that stuff is not good mm -hmm. around kids. And I don't even condone being high out of your mind around kids. But I would say if you find like a healthy balance, then I don't see anything wrong with doing that around your kids. And some people need it, you know, like some people get super stressed and have high anxiety and it puts them in a state where they can actually spend time with their kids in a proper way. You know, Do you think people, some could say, oh, that's how I feel about beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if, if they're like having a, some beer when they get home and it, there's no issues. My biggest thing is that if it's creating problems and there's a, a definite issue that you're, that you're putting onto your child, then that needs to be controlled mm -hmm. like that. You just don't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's something that actually helps you to better have spend quality time with your child and there's no issues, then why not? 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard a story where uh, someone's ever been a bad parent while stoned. I don't. I've never heard it. Like I've never heard of like some people really do need it. Like there are patients out there who have like epilepsy, right? Or PTSD. Yeah, exactly. A myriad of and issues. and that actually makes them a better parent because they're able to actually uh, be in a normal like persona per se like they're able to be more focused they don't have their ailments getting in the way of them being able to be a good parent um so i i definitely don't see anything wrong with you know personally i don't either i think that the bigger issue i think with most parents and consuming cannabis is is also consuming it in front of your children yeah you know i think that um there's certainly times where it's okay if you're you know smoking a vape pen or an edible, um, whereas Yeah, they don't really see what you're doing. Yeah, it's a little bit more inconspicuous and discreet, but I think if you're going to, you know, smoke a joint or rip a bong or take a dab, you might want to go do that in your garage or yeah. your bathroom or your bedroom and keep that away from the kids just because it doesn't, doesn't really give off the same image. It's really no different to me than, you know, someone smoking a cigarette now, obviously, cannabis is significantly different, and mm-hmm. uh, you can't die from weed, but um, the point remains the same. You still want to, you know, uh, provide your Kids children. Kids are really impressionable. Yeah, they're very impressionable, um, and, uh, you know, you don't want them identifying, you know, cannabis as anything other than, um, you know, medicine, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. I mean, you, that goes along the lines with drinking, you know? Like, if you're a parent who drinks often around your kid and they see you doing it, whether it's, whether it's you getting drunk or you just like having a glass of wine or whatever it is, you've nor- you're normalizing it with your child. Mm-hmm. So if you are smoking weed around your child all the time that you're, you're normalizing it for your child and they're going to most likely find that habit and pick it up a little bit earlier, you mm-hmm. know, but with cannabis, it's like, you can do that more discreetly. You when can... did you start smoking weed? Me? Yeah. Oh, how old were you? I mean, I smoked weed for the first time when I was in sixth grade. And, uh, yeah, I smoked weed for the first time when I was in sixth grade. And then, uh, and then I got expelled from high school. I never knew this. You didn't know this? No. I, so I got a bag of marijuana on the school bus from this guy who his brother grew marijuana (laughs) or cannabis he he grew cannabis on in, in the house so he would come onto the bus and he'd give me free cannabis he'd just like get it from his brother and well I was like oh, I'm getting it for free I might as well just like try and make some money off of it mm-hmm. and so I tried to sell to this person at school which apparently was an undercover police officer and then uh by fourth hour I get called into <laughs> I get like searched and there were, there were so many people getting busted for drugs at the school that in order to not um, sell out their, their dealer, they mm-hmm. just blamed it on me because <laughs> I got caught. Motherfuckers. And so, yeah, so then all of a sudden all these people who were getting caught were just like, yeah, she gave it to me. And I was like, oh, my God. So I did 150 hours community service. I worked at this little dog vet place taking care of the animals. Uh but I, uh, that was when I was underage, so now it's not on my record, which is good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think uh, I didn't start smoking weed until I was 
you know, out of high school. Really? I think, yeah. Yeah, I was already out of high school. I remember, I remember being in middle school and trying to steal change from my dad's bedroom side, you know, side drawer and finding a little bag of weed. It was now knowing what good weed looks like. This was horrible shit. Mm -hmm. But I remember pouring it in the garbage can and being so disappointed in my dad, but then remembering having to explain to him how I found it in the first place. (laughs) How'd you find my weed, son? He asked. Uh, Well, I was uh, trying to steal change from you, (laughs) snooping through your drawers. Um, so we had to go through the garbage bag and, and oh try and pull gosh. all the granules or granulars of gran- granules of weed. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was always a funny story. My dad likes to tell that. I actually found a, a, a recent newspaper clipping of me, um, in, um, elementary school, uh, on the, on the team against drugs. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one of the conversations was marijuana you know um so i think it's really funny to see how cannabis is normalized and Mm -hmm. how the perception of cannabis is has changed and that's why you know i created this show is because i I want my listeners and and just people alike to understand that there are great people out there doing great things and cannabis hasn't prevented them from doing any of them in fact if anything it's only inhibited them um, or rather, in fact, it's, it's only given them the ability mm-hmm. to accomplish these things. Yeah. You know, I, I love how it makes me feel for creativity. Yeah. You know, um, and I guess to each their own. But so you, we were talking a little bit about uh, smoking weed, you know, discreetly, um, but still being able to, you know, have a relationship with your kids and, and really be in tune to that kind of kid-like mindset, but you mentioned you journal strains. Mm -hmm. Are there any strains that you can recommend to other moms that make you feel particularly more uh, playful or in the moment? I I particularly love strawberry cough. That's actually my go-to strain. Um, Not during COVID though, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's been banned during COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I like strawberry cough. That one has been a huge favorite of mine. It also helps me get super focused for my workouts, which by the way, I highly suggest cannabis for your workouts. Highly? Highly. Yes. Because I mean, cannabis gets you so focused and like in the zone, but when you are using cannabis and you're at the gym, it's like you're, you know, you get that mind to muscle like connection and Mm. it gives you a better workout. Okay. It's really, really good because you can really focus on the muscle you're working and you get like super into it, you mm-hmm. know? And huh. so it works That's, your muscle harder. I um, feel like that works well with me when I smoke uh, or take CBD, mm-hmm. but generally like high doses of it or I'll have like, um, uh, you know, uh, shit, hash. Yeah. That always makes me feel a lot more limber for some reason, mm-hmm. more so than just smoking straight flour. Yeah or dabs. I just feel more limber when I smoke hash. I feel like it's, it's like this, I don't know. It's more of a body high. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's yeah. 
And it also helps in yoga too. Like my stances are on point. On point. <laughs> they are. They're on point. So you just smoke a bowl, look in the mirror, and go, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I think it probably gives you a little bit more confidence too, huh? It does, but it also like <laughs> helps you be super in tune to what you're doing, like in your body. Unless you smoke too much, then it becomes a sedative. Yeah. Then it actually, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like people need to find their their dose. You know? well, I think a lot of people too, and I'm sure you'll agree, Avery, that most people who and especially new consumers they don't really know how much to smoke Mm -hmm. because there's different levels of being high that sometimes one wants to achieve and for me in particular you know if I'm going to wake up and and you know roast a bowl you know I'm not going to blaze an entire bowl I'm going to I'm going to smoke a little bit because Mm -hmm. I don't want to wake up and then go back to sleep um you know that's that's quite frankly the the effects of cannabis when you overconsume. right period Right. Um, if you consume the right dose or the right amount, rather, uh, you know, you'll have a much higher success of achieving the effects intended based on the strain you've selected. Right. And that's another thing too, is like a lot of people, when they want to get like super high, they just, they go to the dispensary and they're asking for like the highest THC level of a strain. And they don't realize that like, that's not really what you should be looking for because there can be a a great combination of CBD and THC that still gives you a a good high, but it just gives you a different effect. And so like when people go to the dispensary, don't just aim for the strains that have like the highest amount of THC because you might not even like get that high, you know, smoking it, but it might also give you more anxiety, more paranoia, like really give all strains a try you know, and the, mm-hmm. and the biggest thing too, is that like, don't smoke too much because you know, that's where you can have like those negative side effects. Yeah, I believe it's called Delta 11. I think it's Delta 11 that induces uh, more paranoia. I could be completely wrong. I feel like that's a fact. The scientist once told me, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good way to counteract that, that I have actually found like CBG and CBD like higher levels of that has actually helped me counteract any type of like, if I get too much edible in me, like if I take too much. Well, it equals you out, levels you it out. It does, it levels me out. So if I take a high dosage of CBD, it, it just counteracts those negative side effects. And so I always keep that. Like, well, I always have CBD on hand, um, but that's always like, you know, a tip for everybody out there. You know, if mm-hmm. you're feeling or having a really bad trip. Yep. Just take high levels of CBD and it oh, usually yeah, it works every time. It. Yeah. Yeah. And it works super quick too. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot to get me really, really high because I have a, I have a very high tolerance. Yeah. Uh, not with edibles though. Uh, I can only take about 40 milligrams before I'm like, all right, I'm feeling good. I know. Well, like you, I'm just like, how do you do it? Cause I don't know. You, you just I kind of like, want to smoke some weed right now though. You could like smoke honest. like crazy and I'm just like, man, I would be gone. Yeah. We're going to smoke some weed out of this lemon pipe. I like it. So I picked up some of this um, product while I was in L.A. I was there for about five days with Mitch filming some content. Yeah. And picked up some of this Sherbinsky's. Is that that what the strain's called? No. That's just the name of the brand here. There's like... One thing that I found, and maybe you can help me with this, is that Talking you really out. have to like check your your stuff that you're buying at the dispensaries now. Like, 
You know what? There's so so much that I found where it's like they'll either have mold on it or like it's just not a good strain and that can cause like bad highs as well. Yeah, you know, you bring up a, an interesting point and that I think we'll jump into and that's like Ooh, this see this is nice. This is really nice. Yeah, well it should be. It was eighty fucking dollars. For how much? For an eighth. Oh. Yeah, that's why the black market's running rampant in California right now. But that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, black markets, black markets running rampant. And, you know, I'll be honest, I have bought some black market weed in my time. <laughs> um, we anybody got have... a lighter? I'm going to have to. Thanks, boy. I have to do this because uh, my eyes get a little red, you know? Oh. Is that why you're called a very dope cook? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what they call me, a very dope cook. Well. Actually, you know what's really funny? I get so many people who are like, I read, I read your Instagram handle, and I always think you're, you're like Avery Peacock. <laughs> How does it even sound normal? I know. Well, like, they, they don't even, like, read, like, dope cook. But then I get sometimes emails that are like, hi, Avery dope cook. <laughs> like, they think that's my last name. That's so funny. <laughs> Oh gosh, people! Uh, so funny. People. Yeah. How is it? I think you need to smoke more. Yeah. Light it again. Flame on. You know, my boy Mitch really loves to smoke with wick. I've got to say, it does taste better. With wick. Yep, everything's better with Wick. <laughs> Is that a sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> sponsor, brought to you by Wick and Mortar. <laughs> uh, yeah, Derek came up with that tagline, so you know I got to call it out every now and again. Um, so this strain, by the way, is see that's smooth. Is gelato? Oh, it's, I love gelato. Uh, fuck, how do you say this berry again? Acai. Acai? No, it's as, it's acai. It's as, acai. Acai berry. I, I went to Starbucks one time and I asked for an acai um, <laughs> refresher. And the girl's like, it's acai. I was like, Sorry. wow. Sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> All right. Let me hit and this again and we'll get back into the podcast. So you get your creative juices flowing. I know. This is where the conversation starts. You know, this is where we get into Zambando. <laughs> yeah. Zabmondo. Yeah, this book is great. It's um it's called Zabmondo. It's uh it's the book of would you rather questions. It's got so many amazing ones. And uh, you know, I've been for a long time considering making this like a regular part of my podcast. But you should end the podcast every single time. Be like, I got a question for you. And that's your ending. How does it go again? I got a question for you. <laughs> and that's your ending. <laughs> that's the ending to your podcast. <laughs> Three questions for you and answer them within five seconds. Go. All right. So here's a would you rather question. Okay. Um, would you rather uh, go to high school, go to your high school reunion, a multimillionaire, but 200 pounds overweight? Or would you rather go to your high school reunion poor but in perfect shape? 
Oh, nope. I I'm gonna I I take the two hundred pounds, being a multimillionaire because people are still gonna like me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can take that multi-million dollar yeah, bank account. Yeah, and then I can just like just go, go get, get it cut off or something. And, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um. All right. Well, I think this question also applies to you as well. But would you rather never look healthy or never feel healthy? Oh, I would rather, ooh, that's a hard one. Yeah. It's really hard because if I looked healthy and I wasn't, I think I would take that bet more <laughs> because if I didn't look healthy, I wouldn't, yeah. So your answer is? Uh, my answer is I would rather look healthy than be healthy. You would rather look healthy than be healthy? Yes. Okay. Um, Even though I, I'm a health freak. I know. That's why I that question is so perfect. Okay, well, here's another one. Would you rather find inside a cake bought from a bakery a wad of bloody gauze, or a piece of broke a piece of a broken hypodermic needle? Oh hell! Like I can't even answer this question. Oh my god! Like, uh, well, I guess I'd have to go with like the bloody, whatever. All right. What were we talking about? Can't remember. <laughs> we got so stoned we forgot what we were talking about. Oh yeah, we were doing these. Have you ever gotten so stoned that like mid 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 sentence you forgot what you what you were saying and then like you uh Yeah, Mitch was telling me a story the other day and I was like, Oh my god, you know what we should do? And he's like, What? I was like, Fuck, it had to do with what you were just telling me. He's like, Well what did I just tell you? I forgot. I was like, Fuck, now I can't remember because I spent so much time telling you it was about what you were talking about that I forgot what you were talking about. And so we sat there for like three hours trying to figure it out. I mean, we didn't sit there for three hours trying to figure it out, but we, we gave up after about 15 minutes and told ourselves, okay, I'm sure we'll figure it out and remember later. So three hours later, I remembered, but yeah. Um, that only happens when you're stoned. Yeah. I suppose there are some negative impacts <laughs> of cannabis. Uh, as it relates to, you know, smoking weed while working and needing, needing to be diligent and get shit done. Yeah. But I'll tell you, like, I, I smoke weed all day long, and I think it's only because I smoke, um, you know, small amounts periodically like that allows me to, yeah, microdosing. You know, yeah. actually, microdosing is a great conversation to start back up on because, mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of people uh, who are also new to cannabis are now starting to realize that consuming less is oftentimes um, a, a much better experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you start seeing products like, you know, dog walker joints, which are, you know, they're like, a, it's like a half gram joint, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because ritualistically, uh, you know, over time and to present, you know, us as humans, we've, uh, when smoking a joint, especially in a group of people, you know, whether it's two, three or four, you, know, you pass that thing around, uh, you know, until the thing is done. And, and, you know, you don't, you don't step out because you don't want to be a puss, you know? Right. It and just so keeps going and you're it like, just keeps going. And so you're like, oh shit, oh shit. You know, it's like that peer pressure thing. And, yeah. and that's just like, that's ritualistically like how cannabis consumption has been, um, you know, when smoking a joint. So like, now that there's these half gram joints, it makes it a lot easier for newer consumers to not feel like a pussy, but still be able to smoke the whole thing and be like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. 
you know, um, but still like, you know, there's to your point earlier, there's a lot of product out there that is, uh, uh, you know, claims levels of potency that mm -hmm. oftentimes it doesn't have. And, and right. what's happening is, um, you know, and I can't say this about all bud tenders because there are a lot of intelligent bud tenders out there, uh, you know, but dispensaries have, have culturally been trained to, um, you know, teach that potency is the dictator of price. Right. And that's not at all how it should be when, in fact, you know, you've got Belvedere and Everclear and Everclear is, you know, more potent than Be Belvedere, but Belvedere is, you know, more expensive and a much better taste and, and certainly a much better, better experience. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have the same hangover you have with Belvedere, I can right. tell you that much, um, with Everclear. So, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I look at all of these trends and, you know, I hope that consumers and bud tenders start to recognize and realize that, you know, when, when, you know, these farms, uh, are testing their strains. Oftentimes they're really just testing the cola of the plant, like the top of it. Mm -hmm. You're not testing the center or the bottom because it is all going to test differently. Right. But even so, you know, uh, potency doesn't dictate quality. And then that was the point you were making earlier. Yes. And that's because of like all of the terpenes and cannabinoids and they're not educated uh, in it. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's different levels. And so you can have a much more euphoric experience when you, you know, uh, smoke strains that, um, are far more relatable to that intended experience mm -hmm. itself. And that's what I find so interesting about how, you know, um, products are being, you know, consumed or, and, and rather even sold. So is that something that you're, um, you're, when you brand, you take that into consideration? Absolutely. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I'm, when I'm, you know, my team and I are building brands for our clients and, and for ourselves, you know, we're extremely mindful of the fact that there are, and is going to be a market that loves hunting, you know, strains based on their specificity mm -hmm. and intentions. But then there yeah. are a larger amount of people, I call this the, the new consumer market, which is, is like they the largest know. market, yeah. right? Um, because new consumers can still be consumers nonetheless, not like it has to be their first time smoking weed, but new consumers are looking for the easiest way to find the product they need. And strain specificity is not it. People don't want to go to a dispensary and have to jump on their phone and research strains as they're making their decision. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, it takes a lot of time away from the transaction. And honestly, the turnover rate in dispensaries, as far as bud tenders is concerned, is so high that you're constantly seeing new bud tenders with um, uh, a large gap in their education. Yeah, you can definitely tell the difference between an educated bud tender and one that's not because it, it's almost like, you know, the least amount that they say or they just kind of give you short ended answers, just like a quick yes or no to what you're saying. I'm like, this person really doesn't have a whole lot of experience rather than somebody who's like, oh, and then they go on and on about like, you know, what this does and how it can help you and blah, 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 blah. Yep. So I always ask my bud tender like or a bud tender, uh, you know, how long have you been a bud tender? Um, because I, I just like asking these questions because mm -hmm. it's part of my job. Right. Uh, but, you know, I always ask how long have you been a bud tender? Um, how long have you worked here? Right. Um, and you know, if someone's going to recommend a brand, I ask if they've ever tried it before and, or if they've ever, if the brand has ever came back with any, or if the brand has ever had any complaints, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, you'll also notice, and this is just a good tip for all consumers out there and bud tenders, you know, if your manager tells you to do this, don't do it. It's not worth it because consumers are smart. But if, if I, you know, if I go to a dispensary and I ask for a product that is, um, you know, um, something that they would recommend based on the experience I'm asking and they give me something that I now or later realize is about to expire. It's generally because the manager's like, Hey, look, we've got product that's about to go bad. We need to get rid of this quickly. Mm-hmm. So if anybody asks, recommend this. Mm-hmm. And interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, and people don't want that's to admit messed that up. it's kind of messed up. It is. And it's ethics, right? Yeah. Um, and, but it, it's, it's business. And, uh, you know, the two tango from time to time and, you know, uh, so I feel like it, sometimes the black market is a little bit well, better. yeah, I mean, we can get, we'll, we'll talk about the black market too, but you know, so I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, like, you know, be an ethical bud tender, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't know, don't say, you know, something Just be like, look, I, I don't know. I'm new. Um, we want to educate people the right way the first time. Right. And I think it's critical that we provide consumers with um, education that allows them to have the optimal experience because if they don't, then they may never come back. Right. And in my, in my experience, it's, it's all about the customer. It's all about making sure that you, you understand them, their problems, their weaknesses, their strengths. Um, you know, uh, that's why when we build customer, uh, build brands, customer personas is so important. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of like what I do in a, it, per se. It's like, mostly for for medical people because they have certain types of things that they're trying to specifically fix with cannabis you know and they've been prescribed something by a doctor like i work with dementia patients i work with um parkinson there's people who have pain and a lot of people don't know that like with with pain if you smoke too much you can actually create more pain if you find a therapeutic dose for yourself you can get to that point where you have just enough uh relief from that pain but that's why you hear some people who just you know when they are given a prescription for cannabis they really are like okay well i've never used cannabis Mm -hmm. or i don't know how to consume cannabis i don't know what i'm looking for um and that's where they need guidance and a lot of the uh, these bud tenders don't really understand that medical side um and so that's really like the biggest thing because there's so many, you know, there's so, I look at it as like every single strain is a different medication, Yep. you know? And so you can't lump everything into one category. There, there could be one strain that's actually specifically helps with these different types of, of medical issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like train wreck I know is known for. Uh, if you can extract, you know, 98 to 100% of the plant's, you know, entirety of profile, you know, that, that's the equivalent of like an Adderall. Yeah. You know, yeah. to somebody who has ADD, now I'm not saying it's going to make you feel like an Adderall does, but as, as it relates to the effects. Right. Um, uh, the like, it, like it helps with that attention mm-hmm. deficit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's like uh, one of the biggest things is that, you know, people will either like, they'll find the strain, but mm-hmm. then they don't know how to find their therapeutic dose, which that's a whole nother thing, you know? When you it goes back just, into journaling. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you have, to, you have to really monitor how much did you consume, how did it make you feel, adjust the dosage, and if, it, if you still can't find that relief, then try a different strain. 
because every single strain is like a different medication. And if you look at it just like a normal, you or know, pharmaceutical journey. drug, you're, you're given milligrams, you right. know, and each one does something different and that's what cannabis does, but you don't have all those crazy side effects, you know, and you can, and from what I have heard from people, some of the most amazing things that I've heard from people, literally this woman was so bed, like she, she got MS and she could barely do anything for the longest time. She was like mm -hmm. bedridden. She couldn't go to work. She couldn't do anything. Um, and when she actually, when I helped her with her CBD, um, and she started taking sometimes little microdoses of THC when she'd have like flare ups and stuff like that. She's like that for the first time I was actually starting to garden. I was starting to do all these things and it completely changed my life. Like it not only did it fix her health issue that she's, well, she still has issues, but it's put her in a position where she can actually start to enjoy life now, which is like where the holistic thing comes mm -hmm. in. You know, it's like, now you have a medication that's actually enriching your life, not just what it is that you're suffering from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to, you know, ensure that, you know, we're also properly communicating, you know, the medicinal benefits uh, as they relate to these, you know, independent strains. And I think that's a huge issue, too, is that there's a lot of brands in the cannabis industry uh, that position themselves as recreational. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you know, so there's a huge market, uh, you know, opportunity for those that are looking to position themselves as more of a medicinal product. Yes. Uh, you know, I was uh, on a previous podcast, I was interviewing Sue Taylor. Uh, she's amazing. She's a huge advocate for uh, the senior community. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she talked a lot about uh, how brands are missing this, you know, large opportunity to market Huge to this demographic given they're going to be one of the largest demographics here soon yeah uh so it's um you know no surprise nor secret that you know this is um you know an opportunity that i think people need to jump on well one thing that for me i'm like they need to even start opening up dispensaries that market towards a more medical looking standpoint because a lot of times with my uh clients what I have heard from these older clients is that they feel like they're do going in and doing a drug deal, you know, like they, they feel like still, yeah, at times, like even at the nice, I mean, there's really nice places. Well, that... I mean, not everybody has access to like super nice places. Like some of the patients I, or some of the clients that I work with, there's different types of dispensaries, but what I have seen, like the super nice dispensaries are like all the way towards the city. I mean, uh, that's not true. I mean, I've seen a lot of really nice dispensaries all throughout Washington State. I mean, you have to remember, we're, we were one of the first recreational states. Yeah, that's true. But still, it's, it's to me, too, like, just from what I've heard from some, we'll, we'll just say, like, because they're in the older category, so they feel like they're walking in and doing a drug deal, or even just being in a scenario where they can't really get that medical standpoint from like mm -hmm. a bud tender that they're looking for like oh on so maybe so maybe it's like not that. the it's not the aesthetic of the store so much sometimes as, as the, as the interaction like, yeah. that they're having with the bud tender it's it like what do you that. want and it's like i mean i don't i don't know tell me what i should have you know ask me questions interview me a little bit you know i think i think you know there's a huge disconnect from convenience mm -hmm. uh uh and education and yeah. i think that there are a lot of you know companies out there that want to provide 
this convenience factor, uh, especially if they're smaller, they want, uh, you know, more uh, customer flow, especially if it gets busy. Um, the last thing you want is customers, you know, too many customers waiting. Otherwise it'll go somewhere else. Um, but then you've got the, you know, okay, how much time do we have to educate? So you have to, you know, really decide as a brand, you know, do I want to provide consumers with more education or do I want them in and out? Because that's also what they want as well. Well, what do you think? Like if there were actual dispensaries that more were geared towards the medical side and actually had people like me on staff that they can consult with in order to find whatever it is that they're looking for, but then also brand it in a way where they feel like they're coming into like a, where they're getting something medically, like medically done and not have like, let's just play with this then idea. Yeah. How much would it cost to hire somebody like you then to, to, to do that? Well, I charge 175 an hour. So I don't know if they're going to want that nor be able to afford it. And imagine, imagine you have one customer that spends half hour with you, you know, in order for that store to justify paying you that amount, you'd have to be able to convince them that customer that they need to purchase more product than what it costs for your time. I, I would put it this way. If it's geared more towards medical, right? And a patient knows, okay, I just got a prescription for cannabis and I have no idea what I need. The doctor just gives it to them, says we think that you, they don't really like to give much instruction because they don't really have much background to be able to get into an area where they don't know much about. The doctors don't want to risk anything for themselves. And so oftentimes they'll, I mean, that's what I do. I work with nurses and doctors who refer their patients to me because they would rather have me help them through that rather than it be on their license. So doctors are now referring patients to cannabis Mm -hmm. through you. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about is that if you, if like these patients who get that like prescription, they are, I mean, I just get the information about what they're, how, what they're taking for medications. Um, I get what it is that they got the prescription for. And, um, these these patients the reason why they get referred to me is because they are usually like dementia old old people a lot of people who have um certain types of conditions and they have no idea where to start they go into a dispensary and those people don't really even know how to guide them and so if you had something that was geared towards medical where it could be like i'm going to refer you for a one-hour consult consult at this place with this person and they can give you a guidance and then we will you know then you get your prescription, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's more of like a professional standpoint where people feel more comfortable to come in and utilize cannabis for their medical needs. I just think it's cool that doctors are, uh, finally making the recommendation of cannabis. Um, even if they can't directly recommend that through them, uh, you know, through their, through themselves, Mm -hmm. I guess they kind of are right. Because they're saying, Hey, you should talk to Avery about cannabis. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. It makes me, it makes me feel hopeful for, uh, the medical community as it relates to, um, adopting cannabis and, and CBD and CBG and CBN and, and other cannabinoids and, and strains is, you know, uh, resolve for, um, you know, all of these, you know, uh, over the counter and behind the counter, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. I mean, I, I from what I have seen and you know, I worked in dentistry for a while 
And even towards the end, I started hearing more from the doctors instead of giving pain medication, especially when now it's hard to get pain medication. Um, a lot of the doctors will Good. tell the patient, you know, like, have you ever, do you use cannabis? And oftentimes if the, if the patient has even brought it up before too, like, Hey, rather than anything, can I use cannabis instead? And oftentimes the doctors are f like all for it. Um, because that's more natural. We don't Is get that a recent trend that you think has happened? I mean, you haven't been I think in more the cannabis people are space actually... for too long, but like, when would you say you've recognized more physicians talking about cannabis uh, as a recommendation? It was probably like a year and a half ago is when I actually started seeing, and it was when, honestly, and I'll say this, it was when the pain medication started being, you know, cracked down on. Mm -hmm. um, and they really were trying to find a way to better medicate their patients for pain because now they're not able to really put out opioids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's really hard with the pain management. And so doctors were getting more open to finding other methods of pain control. Sure. Um, and so that's really when I saw like, you know, more of a difference where doctors now were just so readily like, Oh yeah, you can use cannabis instead. Mm -hmm. Like that's probably better than using pain medications. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But now it's like venturing out to other things because now there's lots more research coming out. Yep. Um, and so now like doctors are like, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're a doctor, you would be stupid to think that cannabis isn't something that you should be utilizing because it is like the side effects to cannabis like are pretty much slim to none. And when it comes to medication, a doctor has to manage so many other different things when it comes to that. Well, I can tell you doctors in states where cannabis isn't legal are sure as shit not making recommendations for it. Right. That I can tell you. Yeah. You know, and it seems so odd that, you know, <laughs> a majority of the states here uh, in the U.S. Are, are legalized both either medicinally, recreationally, or, um, uh, or just decriminalized, period. But... Mm -hmm. You know, for well, these other states, it's like, it seems like such a, such a drag for people who are like, gosh, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. I know. I hear you know? that all the time. <laughs> it's but not. It's not. It's really not. And, but like what I found out too, is I think that a lot more people are asking for cannabis rather than something else. Cause yeah. people are becoming more natural. It's like mm -hmm. coming to that era where people are becoming more holistic um, or it could be pertaining to area, but I know around here it is that way. <laughs> Blazy, stop. God, she's like the jingle bells. So we created this list of things we're supposed to do before the podcast. And one of them is to lock was up to take the leash or supposed to take Blazy's collar off. Uh, we hit all of them, but that one. Great. <laughs> she's just like the, the, the little jingle bells back there. Um, Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Damn it. I couldn't, hear you. I couldn't hear you past the dog. No, I, I was saying it's more becoming normalized that now people are becoming more like in your area. If it is normalized, like here, yeah. super normalized. So people are now more uh, asking their doctors to, to use cannabis um, okay. rather than something else, you know? Yep. Well, I, I can tell you this. One thing that still, you know, baffles me is... <laughs> So Washington State, um, 
has this law where you know you can't smoke weed in your apartment right and you can't smoke weed outside um, in public so if you want to smoke weed and you live in an apartment where are you supposed to smoke you can't smoke weed in your car I mean maybe you could if you're not planning on driving it anytime soon but still like it just seems a little bullshit and I'm just waiting yeah. for apartments to start going, hmm, you know what? There might be an opportunity. If we make our buildings cannabis friendly, I wonder how many new, uh, you know, residents that we could get. You know, well, I mean, well, and I can't say that's pain. the same about other states. Cause I don't know if other states have quite adopted that, but, or if, or if the rules in, in other ones uh, are, you know, drastically different or drastically the same yeah but still like that's a huge problem it is it, i also think too though that like some places are not so they don't crack down on it as much or you find neighbors who all smoke weed too and so you guys never tell on each other well, you know <laughs> well at the end of the day um i think uh, you know, my listeners have had an opportunity to learn a lot from you. And oh, so you. I really, really appreciate you coming down to the office, even though you're only 15 minutes away. I know. Um, but I appreciate you coming out, down like, here and risking COVID, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure we followed all COVID protocol. Um, where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram at a very dope cook, A V E R Y D O P E. C-O-O-K. Um, I also have an Instagram food account uh, called Swede and Savory. S-W-E-E-D-A-N-D-S-A-V-E-R-Y for my name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you can find me there. Cool. Well, I appreciate you being on. Till next time, everyone or everybody, thank you so much. And thank, thank you all you, for Jared. listening. Peace. Thank you.